Blog Talk Radio. Once again, fellas, it's 10 p.m. Eastern Time. Welcome into the Don't Teaser Me Bro podcast. We cover it all, sports gambling, hot takes, food, music, all with a Philly flavor. And yes, we'll take your calls on the hotline. Time to get the party started. Here's your host, Donnie Jeff. Hey, 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 welcome in to another edition of the Don't Teaser Me Bro podcast. I am your host, the big man on campus, a.k.a. Jeff Nader. Hope you're having a great Monday evening. We are back here. It's episode 12. Another week, new money. We're at it again. we got a fun show for you planned. Hopefully you're enjoying your night. Uh, kind of a low-key night around these parts. Uh, no NFL, obviously. Monday Night Football is long gone, and... Yeah, we're focused on the playoffs. We'll recap the weekend with that. We will also talk some college hoops. And we'll even get into some NHL, which we don't talk about much. Ian Cameron's going to join us in just a little bit. We'll do all that and more tonight on the show. As always, you can follow me on Twitter, at Jeff, J-F-F-N-A-D-U. If you want to uh, follow me, I'm sure all of you do. But if you don't, that's where you find me. Interesting show here, obviously, um, I am fresh off of a loss of my favorite football team, the Philadelphia Eagles, which I really want to just start off with, and we'll get into some college hoops, we'll talk to Ian Cameron about that, we'll also get into uh, some uh, NHL, as I said, and some NFL, but I really wanted to talk about the Eagles right out of the gate, and um, you know, when the game goes on, obviously you're emotions get the best of you you say things and you know as many of you know I'm a very passionate Eagle fan but um, throughout this season I've been very irritated with um, what this team is and what they're going to be Um, they're a team that has a lot of fundamental flaws and I know that you know Carson Wentz didn't play us today and look if he plays the Philadelphia Eagles win I mean and that's why if you're a Seattle Seahawks fan you shouldn't be overly impressed or or happy that you won Obviously, you won, but this team barely won. I mean, the Eagles with Josh McCown had an opportunity to win the game late. Uh, it's just unfortunately, uh, they didn't get good red zone play, but it's tough to do. It's tough to come in and do those sort of things when you're a quarterback of uh, his ilk. But, you know, this team has a lot of issues. I mean, they, they have to go out and figure out the skill positions. And you look at this depth chart, I mean, I've said before, and I'll say it again, I don't think they're that far away offensively. I think they're right there, frankly. Um, you know, obviously, you look at Carson Wentz. He plays a full season. But, you know, again, when it mattered most, Carson Wentz wasn't in there. It didn't matter how he wasn't in there. It just adds to the fact that over the years, uh, over the last three years, Carson Wentz has not been there when it mattered most. Now, obviously, yesterday, uh, the injury wasn't caused by anything on his own, but um, you know, th- this is a growing issue with Carson Wentz. But you look at this this group. I mean, the offensive line's pretty good. I mean, you're going to obviously, I think, move on from Jason Peters, but you drafted Andre Dillard last year to be your left tackle to the future. Isaac Samalu's a good left guard. Kelsey, you'd have to imagine, would be back again as long as he doesn't retire. And then you have, you know, obviously Brandon Brooks and Lane Johnson who will be healthy coming in the next season. So, you know, the offensive line's terrific. Your tight ends with Goddard and Ertz are as good as it gets. Your run game with Miles Sanders and Boston Scott really showed something. You have to figure that, 
you know, either they're going to move on from Jordan Howard or find a different role for him, but he may be back or they'll go out and address that in free agency or in the draft. The Obviously, the big elephant in the room is the receiver position. Nelson Aguilar is not coming back. I mean, he's as good as gone. Uh, I can't foresee them re-signing Alshon Jeffrey either. I think Deshaun will be back, and I'm fine with that. Uh, but they need to go out and address the receiver position once and for all. I talked on Twitter today about the ineffectiveness of this team to find receivers over the years. And really, outside of free agency, they haven't found any. Um, other than Deshaun Jackson and Jeremy Macklin, they have never drafted a player that has over 25 career touchdowns. And actually, one of those players that they've drafted since 1999 has played longer than eight seasons. This is a team that is an absolute mess at assessing talent at this level at the wide receiver position. They just are. And what I'm so concerned about is this team has a pretty good pick this year. They're going to have the 21st pick this year. There are going to be plenty, plenty of options at receiver. As I said, though, this is not a team that's ever been good at doing it. Here's the thing, though. I mean, whether they take a receiver, which, in my opinion, they need to, um, or they take a corner, um, there are two issues that the Eagles have no success at at, at doing. Um, You know, I I have a feeling they're going to take a corner. Um, I think you can go out and get a receiver in the second round, obviously, with this being such a a deep draft. Um, So, again, we'll see. Um, Maybe a guy like Justin Jefferson uh, is going to be available back down there. But, um, you know, this is a team that it's either going to be a corner or it's going to be a a, a receiver. Uh, And in my opinion, I I think you got to go out and get a receiver. Um, You know, if Henry Ruggs is there, Henry Ruggs is, is, you know, BPA. It's just that simple. Let's go to the phone lines. If you want to join us, you can. It's 515-605-9349, 515-605-9349. You can join the show whenever you want, and talk about whatever you want. Ian Cameron's going to join us about seven minutes. Let's go to the lines here. Um, go ahead, call. You're live. What's up, guys? It's uh, Cameron from North Carolina, Greenville, North Carolina. What's up, buddy? How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, I had a, a, a basketball question for you, but first I want to start off with this. Uh, you're an Eagles fan, I can tell. Um, I, I like the Eagles. I'm a Carolina Panthers fan, but there's not much to cheer for. Like, so, I mean, I cheered for the Eagles yesterday. Uh, questions about Carson Wentz. It was a dirty hit by Javian Clowney, but do you see a problem with Carson Wentz's durability going forward for the future of him with the Eagles? That That's just okay. a question I wanted to ask while you were talking about the Eagles right now. Of course I do. I mean, how can you not? I mean, and I, I was, I took a lot of fire for that yesterday when I tweeted that out. Listen, I know he got hurt on probably, you know, it was a dirty hit. I mean, it was definitely not something that, you know, he didn't have a sprained ankle or a bad hamstring. Uh, it was a dirty hit that took him out of the game, but this is an ever-growing problem with Carson Wentz. It's been a problem since high school, frankly. You look back at his career at North Dakota State, it was mired by injury. Um, you look at the first three years of his, his uh, uh, career, I mean, there's no secret that Nick Foles has led this team because Carson Wentz hasn't been in there. Um, he's had a great, you know, kind of regular season, but we have nothing on, on, on the, the playoffs. And I said to someone yesterday that I was watching the game with, I mean, it seems like Carson Wentz is just cursed when it comes to the playoffs. I mean, yesterday, again, I know he got hurt 
in a weird way, but he's not there. That's all that matters. Of course I have questions about his durability, and that was one of my big concerns with giving him such a big contract and passing on your retaining Nick Foles. Um, and, and they have to also figure out what they're going to do at the backup quarterback position. Obviously, you know, Josh McCown, nice story, nice guy, old guy, but you know, he's not a feasible backup quarterback. If you're going to have a quarterback that gets hurt like this, you need a quarterback like Nick Foles to, to pick up the pieces. They have to go out and make that happen this year. They failed last year in a draft of doing it. They need to go out and get a good, solid backup quarterback that can play in that role and, 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 and be that role. I, I, and I, I agree with you. Uh, thanks for answering that. That's just something that came to my mind when you're talking about the Eagles. But uh, I know I, I'm North Carolina, ACC. I go to East Carolina, but, you know, it's not East Carolina doesn't have anything basketball-wise, so we always cheer for either Duke State or Carolina. And the, the ACC, I've been following that for a long time. And it seems that this year there is a huge gap in the ACC between the top boys and the lower boys. Because to me, the three best teams are Virginia, Louisville, and Duke. And I think Duke's the best team by far right now. They've made me a lot of money that you're betting on them for the spread, except for the Stephen F. Austin game. But in North, North Carolina, I just, it's just hard for me to imagine this being – I think this is one of the worst North Carolina teams we've ever seen. And for futures, for futures picks, I think for the best bet for the ACC is going to be Duke and Louisville and for the national championship, Duke and Louisville. And I want to see if you agree with me on that. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. I agree with all your points. I, I think you're totally right with UNC. I mean, you know, it's interesting that all of a sudden Roy Williams doesn't have top-tier talent, and he, he's being exploited for the bad coach that he is from an X and O perspective. Look, he's a nice guy. He's a great recruiter, and he gets kids to go there. But, you know, he is just an average X and O basketball coach, and that's pretty obvious. Um, yeah, they're a team that I think is going to have trouble getting into the tournament. I mean, you look at the other day. I mean, that was an – that was a laughable performance against Georgia Tech. I mean, you give up almost 100 points to the Yellow Jackets uh, at home. I mean, just disastrous. As far as your comment about the ACC, I agree with you. I think those three you mentioned are obviously the top tier. I'll tell you right now, though, you know, people are obviously a little down on Virginia, but I don't think there's any reason to be. Um, this team might be better defensively than they ever have been. Um, they're absolutely elite on that end. I mean, the other day you give up. I mean, you give up 39 points, Cameron, to, to Virginia Tech. I, I'm not talking about, you know, Virginia Union or, or Virginia Military Institute or, or, or West Virginia. Virginia Tech, you give up 39 points. Uh, that's amazing. That, that's downright, you know, they're, dominating. They're great three-point shooting team, too. Virginia Tech is, too. It's, it's, it's amazing oh, how good defensively Virginia yeah. is. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing with Virginia, though, keep in mind, I mean, a lot of stuff, the, you know, people point out their offensive woes. Keep in mind, they're getting better. Braxton Key just became uh, healthy again. He's kind of one of their better offensive guys. Diakite's actually had a pretty good season. I think it's really, as the season goes on, you better keep your eye on Virginia because they have something that a lot of co teams don't have. They have one of the best coaches in the country, uh, and I think if you're going to be in the NCAA tournament, that's the last defense you want to see. Let their offense get going. Obviously, they have a lot of new faces. Um, but I think some of these guys, you know, guys like Kihei Clark will continue to, to use what they had last year in the tournament. You know, Casey Morsell starting to play a little bit better. So, yeah, I think they're a team that I would be right there. But, yeah, the teams you mentioned are the three best. And like you said, it is kind of a – uh, big, big knockoff until you get, get to the next team. The next best team is probably Florida State. Yeah, and I, I agree with everything you just said. 
Um, and, and for me, like, I've already had my futures in for Louisville, Virginia, and Duke. There's only three teams I picked for futures to win the national championship. So hopefully I can ride it all the way and see what happens in the end. But I appreciate uh, your opinion, and I love following what you do, and y'all keep up the good work. Hey, Cameron, uh, before you go, um, you mentioned Duke, and I thank you for the comments. Uh, I think you're on the money there. I mean, you can make the case that they are the best team in the country. Uh, they've done it even without Trey Jones at times. So, yeah, I mean, I said before the season started, I thought this team was better than the one last year. The one last year had a lot of big names, but this team has a lot of players that actually make a lot of sense and kind of are, are all have certain roles. So, yeah, I think you're on the money. Good, good, good on your Duke one. Uh, thanks for the kind words, man. We'll talk to you soon. I appreciate it. Y'all take care. All right, buddy. Um, yeah, good stuff there. Uh, he's, he's dead on the money. Uh, and he's right. I mean, the ACC has really just been, so far, a three-team race. And, and it seems pretty simple. I mean, would anyone be surprised? I mean, would anyone be – I would be quite surprised if anyone outside of Duke, Louisville, or Virginia won the ACC. I really would. I mean – you know, Florida State's pretty average. Notre Dame's getting there, but they're nothing special. Virginia Tech is about as one-dimensional as you could get. NC State doesn't do much for me. Uh, we, he mentioned North Carolina. I mean, when's Cole Anthony going to be back? Um, yeah, I, I think he's dead on the money with, with his call there. And, you know, his call there wasn't – you know, he didn't go out of his way to, to say anything we don't know. But, yeah, I, I, I will still say, though, you know, make sure – you know, Virginia might not show it now, but – by the end of the season, they're going to be a well-oiled machine that is uh, is going to be ready and raring to go. You can bet your bottom dollar about that. Uh, they are really good. Uh, and defensively, they're always going to be in a game, uh, at least a tough game. I mean, you look at on the season, and this is, I mean, really fascinating. They've only allowed uh, more than – they actually haven't allowed 60 points – or they've allowed 60 points twice this year. Uh, the game against South Carolina and then the games against Purdue. But other than that, they have not allowed uh, more than 60 points in any game. They've allowed um, – I mean, they, they they gave up 26 in a game. I mean, 39 the other night. I mean, they're just – they're an elite defensively, totally elite. Uh, as far as his, his call on them to win the title, Duke, yeah, I, I think I think you're still getting some value even at 10-1. to 1. Um, They are the current betting favorite to win the title – uh, San Diego State still a very paltry thirty to one. Uh, this is a team that could very much go undefeated in their conference. Uh, they're probably going to get a top three seed, um, you know, or one, two, or three seed. So you're getting them at thirty to one is, is enticing. Um, you got to wonder where do you take? I think thirty-five to one is the best price you're going to get in Virginia. I, I don't know that it's going to go any lower than that. You keep in mind coming up. I mean. You know, I mean, they might slip up away at Florida State, but outside of that, there's probably not a loss in this schedule until February 8th. So I, I don't know if you're ever going to get a better price on on Virginia than that that price there. That is a really good price on the Cavs. And again, they're only getting better offensively. You know, and they're starting to make some shots. I mean, you look at Kahi Clark, he's shooting at 38% for three. Dikite, 39%. You know, Key will start getting going. Marcel, you know, you'd, you'd have to think he's going to get going at some point. He, he said, uh, I mean, it's, it's kind of wild how bad Casey Marcel's been from three. I mean, this is a guy that, you know, he's normally shot it pretty well in his career. I mean, you look at it on the season, I and mean, he has been disastrous from three. 
disastrous. He's shooting, I mean, 16% from the three. I mean, that's wild. So it's, there's only – the only way to go is up for Virginia, and they still have only lost two games. So keep your eye on that group. They're definitely going to be a team to keep our eye on. They're, the the numbers just way too – 35 to 1 is just way too high on them, especially because of the defense they play. But uh, all right, guys, let's um, let's kind of get back to the phone lines. Let's bring on our guest. Um, all of you know him, all of you like him, and all of you support him. He's our new Monday guest. It's Ian Cameron. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Bobano. Ian Cameron going to join us right now. Ian, how you doing, man? I'm doing good, uh, Jeff. Good to be on with you. Yeah, I'll be on uh, Monday nights moving forward. So uh, let's have some fun and let's uh, hopefully help our viewers make a little extra cash. Yeah, yeah, and I know you did tonight, I believe, on the hockey front. I do want to get some – I do have some questions for you on the hockey front, and I'm sure our listeners will enjoy that because I don't talk hockey very much. In fact, I don't talk about it at all unless I'm talking to you. So uh, we'll get into that in a little bit. I do want to update – I do want to update some scores here uh, in college basketball. Really a light night on that front, um, but an interesting night nonetheless. you got a lot of um, – you know, small schools, a lot of SWAC, MEAC games, which um, is normal. Sunbelt as well. A big win in the Sunbelt, South Alabama, six-point underdog, an outright double-digit winner over Texas uh, Arlington. That group uh, struggled tonight to score. Um, a big upset brewing in the SWAC. How about, how about this score, Ian? Alcorn State up almost 20 on Texas Southern at home. That's rough. Rough night for Johnny Jones and crew. The one marquee game, 30-21 to 21 in the second half. That is a low-scoring game out in Gallagher-Iba. Uh, did you have anything tonight of like, Odeon that you want to talk about? Yeah, it looks like Johnny Jones bringing his quality coaching from LSU over to Texas Southern with that score. Holy mackerel. And at 59-44, uh, I just noticed that, too. I'm just popping up those scores, and my uh, odd screen as we're about to start the segment here, big man. I'm just seeing that now. 59-44. Uh, that is definitely a surprise. And if you've watched it's Alcorn actually, State play basketball this season, you'll realize what kind of a surprise that really is. <laughs> yeah, it's actually 65-47 with 11.30 to go. I mean, Alcorn, I, I've done a – weirdly enough, I've done a lot of research on that group, and they are – I mean, they actually even have the worst two-point offense in the country. There's no one worse. They're dead last. Um, and Texas Southern making them look good tonight. That's a, those are tough conferences to bet on. I know you know that. Yeah, because you'll get random results, and even more so when you're in conference play, in those bottom-tier conferences like the SWAC. Uh, and the MEAC, and you go down to those lower uh, tier conferences. Teams know each other, coaches know each other, uh, and you're going to get some nights where it, it seems like the one team should dominate the other. They're better at both ends of the court. They're more fundamentally sound, but again, you're going to see results like this throughout, and even I can speak for someone that handicaps the Metro Atlantic Conference in depth, the MAAC. You know, you're going to see some really odd results, some results that say, where did that come from? You know, this team's like one and six in conference play. They'll come to a point where there's a team like that late January, early February, and they knock off the number one team in the conference. You know, and you're going to say, where the hell did that come from all of a sudden? This team has given me no evidence that they could just pull off that kind of uh, victory. You're going to see stuff like that, especially, and it, it happens more often, I find, in the smaller conferences. So you're absolutely right. There's more variance in those lower tier conferences in terms of conference results. 
in the regular season, you have to remember that if you're dealing with like the SWAC, the MEAC, the the um, the WAC, uh, even even the MAC, you're getting really low level basketball, like low level, like the worst of the worst. And you know, in my opinion, I think the only time you can bet on those kind of teams is. I think the SWAC is almost impossible to bet unless you're talking about conference tournament time. I think the MEAC, I've always actually had a really good read on that conference. I've always, you know, over the years had some real success with it. I don't necessarily bet it early on. Like, I won't bet it until, you know, end of January. But um, there are conferences that are just impossible. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, and you know, you're going to see stuff in those conferences that you just don't see very often in any other conference just because of the, the inability to have quality basketball. But, Ian, before we get into basketball, I did have some questions for you, but I want to talk a little NFL. Obviously, some really interesting results. And, you know, I was talking with our friend Ryan a little earlier, and I, w- I was saying to him, you know, imagine if this week, like, the Chiefs lose, the Ravens lose, and, you know, the who's the other big team this week? Um the Niners. Yeah, you imagine this could be a really weird Super Bowl. It could be like Tennessee against, you know, Minnesota or something. It, it's it's interesting. And and we look at over the weekend, obviously we'll start out with the Bills and, and I want to give a big fuck you to the Buffalo Bills. I I mean that was I had a bad week last weekend, but they really put kind of the, the fucking cherry on top. Just a, a horrific second half performance. I thought at certain points it really seemed like Josh Allen was throwing the game. Like some of the, just the, the harebrained ideas he had the the going for it on fourth and 27, which made absolutely no sense. I mean, if you don't kick the field goal, you punt. I mean, I don't understand going for that. It was one of the weirdest decisions I've ever seen. Uh, what a complete destruction by the Buffalo bills. Yeah, it was a really, really big an obvious sign in the second half that the uh, the moment was too big for the Bills. And it's a young team. It's a developing team. It's a team that I think has the chance to get better. And, and I think they're going to be good for years. But, you know, the, a lot of the things they did in the first half, they stopped doing uh, in the second half. And it seemed like once Houston started, you know, they got that first touchdown and the momentum just kept rolling from there. Josh Allen was feeling the pressure big time. He was like skipping balls into the turf. You know, most of the second half with the, some of his throws, I don't think they used Devin Singletary quite as much. I mean, Brian Dable, the offensive coordinators, had better days than he had Saturday uh, in Houston calling plays for the Bills offense. I thought they just made some questionable play calls at times in the second half. And for as much as we p- applaud the Bills defense and they stayed aggressive, but their aggressive killed them. You know, and they had opportunities to get to Sean Watson on the ground multiple times. They had him dead to rights for like two or three sacks at many, at two or three different times, Jeff, in the second half. And each and every one of those times, Watson got away, made plays. And of course, when you're aggressive and you're bringing linebackers, you're bringing safeties, you're bringing extra guys to the quarterback. Guess what? If you don't get home to him, there's going to be a whole lot of green and open field for you know receivers and running backs to run through they were victimized by that a couple of times none more so than of course the huge play in overtime which set up the uh, Kaimi Fairbairn uh, game-winning field goal uh, it was just a complete and utter you know it was just poorly played second half all around by the Buffalo Bills uh, in the second half on both sides of the football give Deshaun Watson credit because if he doesn't make some of the plays and if he doesn't escape the pocket on a few of those like he did Houston's not finishing that game off with the comeback win they would have fallen just short if they have a statue Jeff at uh, under center and not Deshaun Watson 
They probably don't come back and win that game, but his athleticism, his dexterity, his mobility to keep the plays alive made all the difference in the world for the Texans, and his performance, especially in the fourth quarter and overtime, was absolutely sensational. It reminded me of Clemson in the national championship you know, a few years ago where Deshaun Watson against Alabama willed that team to win. He kind of did the same thing Saturday against Buffalo. Yeah, you know, I thought Buffalo kind of got a bad shake on that. Uh, the Cody Ford penalty was was bad. I mean, you you can't make that you can't make that call in a game like this in overtime. It's just listen, if you're going to make calls, you know, you better make sure they're legit calls. You know, where you know it's a clear hold or a clear pass interference. I mean, it's a terrible penalty. I mean, it just is. I mean, it's a terrible call. It wasn't a penalty. Um, you know, it wasn't a blindside block where like it was nowhere near it, it, it. I mean, he was running towards Deshaun Watson. It was, it was, or, uh, or, or Josh, he was running towards Josh Allen. It, it was a fine block to make. I thought it was a bad call. Um, and it ended up being the undoing for the bills. I mean, if that penalty doesn't happen, they're kicking a field goal and likely winning the game. So, you know, it, it was a rough one it, and it was, you know what Ian, it was a rough one for betters because it was such a slow bleed. I mean, you, you kind of saw it coming. You know, Buffalo just couldn't get anything going in the second half. Um, you know, but again, I think the, the, the key to beating Houston and going forward, I, I think one of the reasons Kansas City, I think, is going to have a lot of success. You've got to be able to throw the football downfield against the Houston Texans. You've got to be able to attack them. And that was one issue I had in the, the second half. I You mentioned Brian Dable. I thought he was very good in the first half. That first play, uh, the first series was terrific from him from the play calling standpoint. But you just stopped. You know, they stopped throwing the football um, and, you know, attacking them downfield. And that's why I think Kansas City will have a lot of success. But just a weird game, a lot of weird uh, results. Um, we also um, saw the Titans beat the Patriots. Doesn't come as much of a surprise to me And on this show. Uh, I said weeks ago, Donnie and I talked about we didn't think the Patriots would do much at all. Um, Tom Brady just doesn't look like the same player. They don't have a lot of talent on offense. And, uh, you know, defensively, they run into a team that was really hot. Derrick Henry sure is good, isn't he, Ian? Yeah, I would say so after that performance uh, by Derrick Henry. He was excellent. I mean, and they established the run early. And what the, what the great thing for the Titans is with Derrick Henry starting the game strong, running the football, those first couple drives, he was just eating up and running right through the New England defense. It allows Ryan Tannehill to settle into the game. He doesn't have to feel like he's got to carry the load offensively through the air with the passing game. And it just settled the whole offense down. uh, And it allowed them to take control early in that game. Uh, And, you know, other than, Somewhat of a forced throw by Tannehill for his one interception. Other than that, he was great. He made the clean game, mistake-free. Okay, you could say the offense, you know, was held down a little bit in the second half, but you know, he didn't make those critical, crucial mistakes to set up New England with short fields, and the defense took care of the rest. Now, Tom Brady, how much of the blame does he deserve? Because to me, there's two situations that are completely different with these two quarterbacks that are age 40 that struggled. And no, I'm not talking about Josh McCowan. That's a totally different situation right there. I'm talking about Tom Brady uh, and Drew Brees. Tom Brady, there's a decline. I don't want to. There's people that are trying to make the excuse he's got nothing to work with. I say BS to that. There is decline in his play. Why didn't he throw the deep ball much this season? Because the deep ball, the, the deep ball was not good for Tom Brady this year. It, he was not throwing an accurate deep ball. You could see that they were hesitant to go to that. It was a short to intermediate passing offense all year long. Now the other side of that coin is people are saying to me, "Well, it's not 
really all Tom Brady declining. He's got nothing to work with. And I will grant those people some credit for that argument because the New England offensive line has been banged up all year. They've been injury riddled along the offensive line. The skill position talent stinks. When you're dealing with Philip Dorsett as a number one wide receiver, that's not good enough other than Edelman over the slot. So, you know, they've got to upgrade the wide receiving core. Nikhil Harry was a disaster this year. You got to hope, you know, that he improves next year in his second year, but for, and I know he's a rookie, but he, he didn't give you anything at the wide receiving position for the Patriots. So Brady didn't have a whole lot to work with. Whereas we're going to get to the saints in a minute, uh, Jeff, Drew Brees, he's got a lot to work with. He's got a lot more blame to shoulder for his performance. I think Sunday against Minnesota, but as for Brady, you know, saying that it's all, he's got no O-line, he's got no skill position talent. That's why he struggled. No, that's part of it. But if you're lying, you're absolutely lying, or you're kidding yourself, or you're burying your head in the sand, or you're waving the Tom Brady flag till, uh, till the cows come home, you know, if you're not willing to admit that there was a decline in Tom Brady as a quarterback this year, there was. Okay, the O-line was bad. The receiving core was weak. But there was decline in Tom Brady's play. I don't care what anyone says. And if you're denying that, I think you're wrong. Yeah, you mentioned Nikhil Harry. He did not have a good season. Mohamed Sanu, you got to wonder what that signing was for. He had 10 catches in his uh, acclimation with New, uh, New England. I mean, just you got to get those guys better acclimated. And you know, Sanu was, was just not uh, not what they wanted either. But he gave up a pick for him, and he he gave you one catch the other night in five with five targets. Uh, it's not good enough. Um, Ian, uh, you want to take some phone calls here? we got some people on the line. Um, we'll get these guys out of the way. We'll get back to some NFL. If you have a college question, you can call us, 515-605-9349. Uh, let's see what people are hitting for here. Uh, go ahead, caller. You're up. Hey, what's up? Can you hear me? Good. Yeah. Okay, perfect. Yeah, sorry. I'm getting killed in this Oklahoma State game. Uh, I wanted to see what y'all thought about, uh, you know, this Mike McCarthy fit, fit with the Cowboys. I mean, I'm a Dallas guy. I know y'all are – you know, you're a Philly guy. Uh, but I just, to be honest, man, it's just not an exciting hire for us. Uh, I think the like, prevailing sentiment here in Dallas is, you know, um, it, you know can we get 10 wins and, and where do we go from here? You know, how does he fit with Dak going forward? And then, you know, how do you think that Dallas is going to play with Dallas's offense? Does he retain Kellen Moore? Does he go in a different direction? Uh, I'd just really be interested to hear what y'all have. You'll still That's have you know, I think it's a mixed reaction, but I think here's here's one thing I think you could be happy with if you're a Cowboy fan. He's way better than Jason Garrett, first of all. I mean, uh, way better. And I think and I, I think one thing we have to remember as well, he got a lot of shit when he was in Green Bay, probably not acclimating with his quarterback and also kind of being an old-school coach. You've got to hope that, and I'm sure, you know, Jared Jones uh, discussed, you know, look, you, you got to start, you know, being a little bit more – uh, interested in the analytics, you got to get more with it. Um, you know, he's been off for a couple of years. I mean, we haven't seen him for about a year and a half now. I don't like it. I don't. I don't hate it. I think I'm kind of just lukewarm on it. I would have obviously. Sometimes when you make a splash hire, it, it is indeed kind of a splash. Sometimes it's a failure. I think, and I'm sure Ian will agree. I, th- I think with like people talked about Lincoln Riley. I think there's a growing sentiment with Lincoln Riley that you know, look, I mean. The truth of the matter is Lincoln Riley's really not won anything. You know, maybe maybe we we're a little too high on Lincoln Riley. And you look at Urban Meyer. If you're Urban Meyer, I mean, you know why Urban Meyer left Ohio State? Health issues. I mean, he 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 wasn't real healthy. 
you look at him now, he seems happy. He has a great job. You know, I'm sure he spends a lot of time with his family. He doesn't have a lot of stress anymore. I'm going to guess that Urban Meyer went into the hospital and the doctor, and they told him, you got to cut it the fuck out. Your your arteries are, are brutal. He, he's a lot like me when I go to the doctor. That's what happens when I go there. <laughs> they say, you've got to calm the fuck down. You're doing too much. Um, I, I don't think there was really a lot of options. I think this is probably the best option for the Dallas Cowboys, surprisingly enough. Ian, I mean, where would you have went? I mean, this is a pretty safe hire, I feel like. I mean, we got to agree. I mean, Mike, Mike uh, McCarthy had a lot of good success there. He's just oh, got to get a little bit more with it. Yeah, to me, Jeff, this is a hire that's – I think there's – I think there's – here's the good. I'm, I'm kind of like you. There's some good and there's some bad. The good is he's a veteran coach. He's, he's won a Super Bowl. He can go into this situation and, you know, not be panicked. No, and and the, I think the players and the fact that, you know, they're not getting a guy that's never been in the NFL before, that's probably not the greatest of situations for what Dallas is looking for. Dallas is looking for tried and true someone that's been there, done that. Remember, this is a veteran-laden team, all right? They don't want some guy that's never coached in the NFL before coming in here trying to take over and run the ship. You know, uh, that could be potentially be disaster. So that's the good that Mike McCarthy brings to this team. He's been to the playoffs multiple years. He's won a Super Bowl. Here's the one concern, though. What was the issue with Mike McCarthy the last couple of years in Green Bay? Bland play calling. You know, there'd be times yeah. where I thought Mike McCarthy's play calling really declined. You know, and we're coming off a season where you could pick away at all the flaws for Dallas this year. You know, Zeke Elliott didn't run the football like we thought he had. The defense was severely overrated. You know, that defense didn't play anywhere. Where was Demarcus Lawrence? You couldn't find Demarcus Lawrence with a telescope on the football field half the season with how, you know, absolutely invisible he was for all the money they paid him. You know, where was the pass rush from that guy all year? And, you know, the linebackers were sort of underrated. The defense of the secondary was mediocre at best. Here's the issue, though. We're going to be moving forward with McCarthy. The offensive play calling was not great, and it's not like the offense was horrible this year. In fact, Kellen Moore did an admirable job. How is that yeah, dynamic Ian, going to work now Ian, all of a sudden? With you got to think, though, and, and not to interrupt, but you have to think, like, the you, you, caller, you mentioned uh, Kellen Moore. I think you got to retain yeah. him because I think, I think Mike McCarthy could be just like kind of that, you know, just kind of the overseer of everything. He's kind of got the last word, but you know, Kellen Moore. I I think Jerry Jones may say, look, you you know what you're coming into. You gotta you gotta listen. You, you're not gonna do everything how you want to do it. Yeah, you're gonna you gotta make some moves on defense. I mean, R- Rob Marinelli's gone. I mean, you gotta get better there. I don't know if Chris Richard was retained. I think he was, but I, I don't know. I, as I said, Ian, you can only go up from here. I mean, it's it well. I heard Garrett that was, Mike McCarthy. Probably going to bring in Mike Nolan as his defensive coordinator. Mike That's, Nolan yeah, is, of course, a defensive today. guy, former head. Yeah, exactly. Former head coach in the NFL, of course, and in fact knows McCarthy well. Nolan had McCarthy as his offensive coordinator in San Francisco way back when. So there's definitely familiarity there. It looks like that's who McCarthy's going to hire. Bottom line is the defense has to be better, and and McCarthy can't be the same kind of play call. He's got to adapt now. It's 2020. Look at the teams that are having success offensively in the NFL now. It's Kyle Shanahan. You know, it's these smarter, more innovative, more creative, more risk-taking, analytical thinking play callers in the NFL. That's not necessarily been Mike McCarthy, especially those last two years in Green Bay. So that's the biggest question mark I've got is his ability to adapt and improve and learn from the mistakes he made toward the end of his tenure in Green Bay. 
I have a question for y'all, if y'all have the time. What do you think the disparity is? Uh, so I went to OU. I'm an OU guy. Um, you know, I, I grew up around the spread. I grew up in Texas, man. You know, everyone pretty much runs a spread here. You know, what is the disparity between, um, you know, the offense that we run and it seems to be run in the Big 12 is obviously, you know, in the NFL, you know, linebackers run like DBs and cornerbacks run like sprinters. Um, but the reality is, is, you know, what's the disparity in terms of offenses? How are we spreading out the ball? And, you know, when we look for an offensive coordinator is, um, you know, like a mind like Lincoln Riley. Is that simply just a college fit or is that a NFL fit that, um, you know, hasn't been developed yet? Or is it just a type of play, right? Because the skill level doesn't match up. Uh, I just kind of really like to get your thoughts on that. So you're saying, you're asking, like, do you think the Cowboys go that way? Is that what you're saying? or? Yeah, in, in a sense, it's like – I mean, what is preventing a, a team from playing like, you know, like Texas Tech or like, yeah. you know, OU? Well, I, where, where well because I, I think you said it, though. I think you, you said it perfectly. Everybody's a lot quicker, a lot faster, a lot tougher, a lot more physical, and it's kind of a gimmicky offense. It just doesn't work. I mean, it, it's never worked. I mean, look at Chip Kelly. It worked for like a year, and then everyone figured it out. I think you're right. I mean, everyone's a lot smarter, a lot more talented, a lot faster, a lot better. I think Kellen Moore, and and if you read the reports coming out, I mean, he's Mike McCarthy is open to keeping the coordinator. I, I think you have to have a young mind like that, and I think Kellen could be it. But I'll tell you what. I mean, I think the thing you have to worry about is how do you keep all these guys? How do you keep, you know, all these guys and pay them all? Because you got to start paying the piper at some point. Um, and if you can't, you know, you're, you're one play, you know, if Amari Cooper walks, I mean, then what, you know, or yeah. you know, whoever. So I, I think you got to figure that out. And Ian made a good point. I mean, defensively, they weren't very good this year. They're back to normal. And yeah, you know, that that's kind of where you don't want to be, but I'm interested in seeing how it all works out. I, I think you should be excited that, that you have, um, you know, just a new coach in general, but thanks for the call, brother. Really good stuff. Yeah. Appreciate it. Y'all have a good rest of your night. Yeah. Good yeah, luck you with too. your pick on it. Um, but, uh, yeah, great, great points by the caller there. I mean, really, uh, two really good calls so far. I had a call before you came on Ian, and then that caller there. Very good stuff. Let's go to one more here. Uh, go ahead, caller. You're live. Yo. Caller, you there? All right. Well, we're not going to wait for him all night, Ian. Uh, but, uh, Ian, uh, before we, uh, before we uh, finish up the NFL talk, I mean, I, you know, Eagles, I, I really, I got to be honest, I don't want to talk a ton about it. I think I've obviously kind of played that out. But, I, I, you know, obviously this team has um, has some question marks. Obviously, defensively, they have to figure some things out. Um, you know, I, I, I made the case earlier that I don't, I don't think there's a lot of players on this team defensively that I would keep. I think, obviously, you know, Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham. And, you know, Derek Burnett needs to clean up the penalties. But I think if he could do that, he's a pretty good player. Um, they need new linebackers. They need a, a new secondary. Now Malcolm Jenkins wants paid. And Malcolm Jenkins is 33 years old. Uh, I don't know if you do that. And, and, look, Carson gets injured on a dirty hit. But, you know, the durability continues to remain a question. Ian, I'll, I'll just ask you this with the Eagles. Um if they go out and let I'll tell you what, you, you know, I'll tell you what. One guy you got to keep a, keep on that defense after what I saw yesterday is that Cravon LeBlanc guy. I mean, absolutely outstanding. Uh, I thought he was. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't disagree. I of think course, I'm being depth. facetious. 
I think he I, it's good depth. I don't think I'd be have him as a starter. I mean, but I, I hear you. I mean, he's a decent depth piece. But Ian, I mean, if, if let's say you go out and you get you know you get healthy again, you get Deshaun back, and Carson's obviously healthy. You have a good offensive line, good group of running backs. You know, if they're able to add, I think another receiver or two. I think they're right there offensively. I don't think they have a ton of problems on that side of the ball. But you know, I, I highlighted today, Ian. I mean. Since 1999, this team has acquired one receiver in the draft that's played longer than eight years in the NFL. They have two players in the history since 99 that have had more than 25 career touchdowns. They have failed miserably at drafting receivers. Um, it doesn't bode well for a really good wide receiver draft. Um, give me one reason, uh, uh, Ian, I shouldn't, I shouldn't be overly uh, pissed off about this team. I mean, is there anything that, that I shouldn't – uh, that I'm kind of overreacting on? The obvious reason, and before I even get into personnel decisions and what needs to be fixed and what needs to be improved and what needs to be tweaked, before I even get into any of that, one reason you don't panic and get overly upset, man, this team's got a lot of heart. They really do. I mean, they got a lot of guts. They got a lot of fight in them. To be as undermanned as they were, and to st- with Carson Wentz leaving that game early with Tons of skill position talent you've been missing all season long due to injury, offensive line injuries, defensive injuries. You lose Carson Wentz early in that game. You got to bring in 40 year old Josh McCown, who was coaching high school football just a couple of months ago before the Eagles signed him, to have all of that going in that game yesterday against Seattle. And to still somehow get into that fourth quarter down one score and have a chance still to win that game. They battled their asses off. You know, they really did, right to the bitter end. Say what you want about the flaws, the problems on this football team. You have to admire the, what they were able to do in light of just almost an unfair number of injuries. It's unfair that one a football team has to go through the number of injuries Philadelphia did this year. It was absolutely insane. Now, here's the reason for, for concern. We ought to start with Carson Wentz. We need to really start worrying now that his career possibly could get derailed by one injury after another, and now to a head injury, which is the most dangerous, devastating kind of injury you could have, especially to a quarterback. we got to start getting worried a little bit because it's been one injury after another now for Carson Wentz, and you've put so much investment from a draft perspective, money perspective, into Carson Wentz. You've made decisions in the past because you believe in Carson Wentz, a.k.a. letting Nick Foles go uh, and where he went to Jacksonville. You've made all of these decisions and now you're seeing just a very, very upsetting, dangerous injury that he suffered yesterday, a dirty play, in my opinion, by Jadavion Clowney as well. You just got to worry here, you know, with Carson Wentz moving forward. Can we go to war season in, season out, where it's been one injury after another, and this one could be one of the you know more concerning ones of them all? It, it, that's the biggest fear for this team. I think, you know, offensively, you got to hope you get some of your pieces back. Uh, next year that you had, hopefully you'll stay healthier on that side of the ball. I think on defense, their defensive line, you know, Fletcher Cox has given you everything. What an eagle he's been. But here's another guy. You talked about Malcolm Jenkins just a second ago. Here's another guy that's not getting any younger. You know, how many years does he have left, you know, Fletcher Cox, in terms of being still a, a, an impact player along that defensive front? I think they could upgrade the linebacking core, but the secondary could be tweaked a little bit. So there are some adjustments, improvements that the Eagles can make. But I think the first and foremost concern and worry that I would have for the Eagles is it's another injury for Carson Wentz. It's a head injury. We know how long-term damage could be with those kind of injuries, those kind of hits. And, man, it's, it's been nothing but bad luck from an injury perspective for Carson Wentz. And it wasn't concerning 
you know, earlier this season or last season. But once again, yesterday, after seeing that, I wasn't really concerned about any of these, you know, one injury after another issues Wentz was having. But after yesterday, I'm starting to get a little concerned. And uh, not only for the team, but for his own well-being moving forward. Yeah, uh, it's a long way away till you know, next September, but uh, we wait for uh, free agency and the draft coming up. Uh, UL Lafayette beats Miami of Ohio 27-17 in the uh, Alabama Bowl. I didn't, even, I didn't even know there was a bowl. I mean, do we really need a bowl tonight? I mean, come on. Um, but uh, you, know, you know what the problem right, is, you, Jeff? It is yeah. absolutely, it's absolutely asinine that we have the, the New Year's Six bowl games and then we have a slew of these mediocre, meandering, minor bowl games in between New Year's Day and the national championship game. Get these games yeah. out of the way before New Year's. Have your big New Year's games, then have the little break if you want it, then have the national championship. Don't have these bowl games cluttering up the, the schedule in between New Year's and national championship. It should be your semifinals. Maybe then you have a couple of those games. Then you have your big New Year's games, Rose, Sugar, Citrus, you know, the usual you know, bowls that you have on New Year's Day. And then after those games, and after the Sugar Bowl ends on New Year's Day, after that Baylor-Georgia game ended on, on New Year's Day night, the Sugar Bowl, your next game, bowl game, should be the national championship in a week, two weeks, whatever the case may be. Don't put these minor games in between your New Year's Six and your national championship game. It makes no sense to me. I mean, honestly, I don't, I'm not really sure why there, you need two weeks between the Final Four and the final game. I, I, I don't understand that. But, uh, Ian, let's take a, a quick break here. Let's uh, go to commercial. We'll be back with you right after this. Are you looking for fresh opinions on sports, sex, culture, food, and more? Well, it's time for you to go check out our friends at PubSearchRadio.com. From podcasts to blogs to live content and radio, live in the heart of San Antonio, PubSearch Radio provides plenty. They have terrific soccer, UFC, and niche topics, too. Leave it to me. Leave it to my opinion. The Big Men on Campus. I co-sign PubSportsRadio.com. And you can also check out people like me, Dottie Wrightside, Ski Profit, and more. Check out the newest in opinions in all the blog culture. PubSportsRadio.com. trying to hear it right now. Oh, I'm drawing blanks. This isn't good. Anything? No. No, I can't say it. It's it's stumping. If if I hear the artist and the song name and I I recognize that, I'm going to be very upset that I didn't get it. You will (laughs) recognize it. Uh, This group was a uh, hip-hop group. They're from Miami, Florida. They were kind of popular... 
in the 2000s. Uh, they had a song called uh, Grind With Me uh, that was on the hotline. Uh, pretty Ricky. Uh, pretty Ricky. They, okay. Uh, yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah. I've heard of that song. Yes. Yep. All right. Yeah, they, uh, they had two really big time songs and then they just kind of they disappeared. They do have a um, for anyone that's a pretty Ricky fan. They have a uh, Millennium Tour. It's called. They have now listen to this lineup, Ian. Uh, tell me that this is a bring back memories. B2K, Mario, Chingy, Ying Yang Twins, Lloyd, and Bobby Valentino. Uh, that th- th- talk about a group of heavy hitters there into two thousands. I mean that's that's a big time group there. Well, if you don't like, uh, tell me, how did you get that in those jeans by Bobby Valentino yeah. back in the day? I, I don't know what you were that. listening to. Yeah. Yeah. I great just, song. I was just, yeah, it's a great track. He had some real good songs. Pimping All Over the World, Slow Down. Uh, yeah. The fancy Lloyd. cars, the money and the caviar. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Great time. Yeah. Who we are, because we're pimping all over the world. Listen, I've said before, Ian, um, you and I are kind of the same age, so I, I will say, like, I'm I'm probably the luckiest person on earth that I used to, I was able to grow up in that that time period. I mean the 2000s were a great a great time. I mean there was everything was great. Um I I'll tell you one thing Ian, uh one thing about music. You know who was an underrated uh, uh hip hop guy back in the day? He never really got the the love he should have. Sean Paul had a lot of great tracks, man. I mean seriously. Oh yeah. Go listen. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Like, go we all remember him. Go. We all remember Sean Paul. He was he was a legend. Sean Paul, so me got said, whoa, a dotty, yeah, yeah, Sean Paul. Yeah, yeah. Go listen to Dutty Rock. It, it was a great yeah. fucking uh, CD, man. Um, but uh, all right, let's get back to the sports talk. Uh, one other game, Ian, um, really kind of the surprise of the weekend. Uh, Minnesota beats the Saints, and you know, look. I, I think ultimately, if you're like an Eagles fan and you're that annoyed, it's like, well, you could be a Saints fan. I mean, they go 13 and three, and they lose in the first round to Kirk Cousins at home. Um, ugly, but uh, you know, look, people will whine about the the non penalty late in the game. Another one you're not going to call. It wouldn't have mattered if they reviewed it because they don't overturn them anyway. It's really become a big joke as far as the penalty of pass interference reviewed. Uh, it's stupid. I don't know why they have it. They don't take it seriously. But, uh, Ian, um, you know, I, coming into the season, my one knock on the Vikings was, you know, were we going to get competent quarterback play out of Kirk Cousins? I mean, outside of some of those Monday night games, Kirk Cousins has been um, a pro bowler. I mean, he, he has been really, really, really good. Uh, Dalvin Cook's been fantastic. Defensively, they're really solid yesterday. And I got to tell you, I see that that Niner team coming in. They're not a real big pass happy team either. That could be another good matchup for Kirk and the boys. Yeah, I mean, a very impressive win. They play, they sort of did what the Eagles did a couple of years ago with Nick Foles. You know, nobody thinks we can win this game. We're a big underdog. Zimmer even brought up the point spread last Monday in his press conference uh, leading up to this game. So. Uh, he even mentioned it, that uh, Minnesota was eight-point underdog. Nobody thinks you can win this game. Uh, and they took it from New Orleans. Really, other than the big uh, – Taysom Hill was the better quarterback for the Saints than Drew Brees. How crazy was that, you know, in that game yesterday? Uh, Taysom Hill with the big, of course, pass play, really nice, well-designed play uh, to get the Saints set up for that touchdown that they had in the first half. But for Drew Brees, it was inaccuracy all day long. The Minnesota defensive front – 
really made hay on New Orleans' offensive line, which is really surprising to me. Now, Minnesota does have a good defensive front, but the Saints' offensive line have been playing well most of the season. To see them get manhandled like that was something to behold, but uh, they didn't play well. Breeze didn't. Now, Breeze didn't have a lot of protection at times, but he was also inaccurate. He didn't secure the ball when it looked like they were really gaining momentum, maybe driving for the game-tying field goal or even taking the lead. He fumbles uh, because of the pressure. It was just not a good game from Drew Breeze. He was short-arming balls all game long, and like I say, Brady was like that too, but Brady had less to work with. You know, Drew Breeze has Alvin Kamara. Drew Brees still had a pretty solid offensive line this season. Drew Brees still has Michael Thomas, who's a legit number one receiver in this league. Those are some of the elements Tom Brady doesn't have. So I think the the performance for Drew Brees looks a little bit worse than it does on Tom Brady, simply because he's got more weapons. He's got more of a supporting cast. He's got more help around him compared to Tom Brady. So it was a very, very disappointing game uh, for New Orleans uh, offensively and even defensively. You know, you're not supposed to allow Kirk Cousins to beat you, and yet – Here's Adam Thielen getting behind, you know, your best cornerback down the field uh, to set you up for the uh, uh, overtime game-winning touchdown. And was that maybe the throw of Kirk Cousins' career? It has to be. I don't think he's made a better throw. I don't. He's certainly not made a bigger throw and a more clutch throw and a more timely throw than the absolute seed and perfect throw he made to Adam Thielen to set them up inside the five-yard line in overtime. Uh, that was a signature moment in a career that's been rather – you know, in the big games, it's been mediocre for Kirk Cousins prior to that throw. But in the big moment, the big game, he made that big-time throw for the first time that I can remember. And I'll got, i got to say it, I'm happy for the guy. I really am because he's been dogged. He's been criticized. Kirk Cousins is never going to win a big game here. And he goes into New Orleans, into the Superdome, and finds a way to lead his team into an overtime victory uh, and make one of the best throws and most clutch throws he's made in his NFL career in the process. So, Got to give Kirk Cousins his due. Uh, he made the big play at the right time, and his team's moving on. Uh, great stuff, Ian, uh, on the NFL. We'll look forward to next week. Uh, sure, we're later in the week. We'll, we'll talk about everything. But a uh, couple of updates here in college basketball, then we'll get into that a little bit. Uh, West Virginia's up 47-34 with about seven and about six and a half to go. Um, I'm not getting too excited, but I am happy. I'm happy about that because I am on West Virginia. It's a small play, uh, not nothing significant, but uh, I did mention this actually on the, uh, I've started a daily uh, YouTube uh, show uh, today and I talked about this game and recommended West Virginia. And I did it in spite of the fact that it's one of those scary spots, you know, where you've got that team that's just laying a point or two on the road against an unranked home team. And sometimes those kind of situations worry you about back in the road team in this spot, but I just didn't think highly yeah. of this Oklahoma State team, and boy, I, they are uh, proving me right so far. 34 points with seven minutes to go in the second half here. Yeah, I think that, that situation you mentioned, it works a lot better when you have, like, a high level, like, I know West Virginia is top 25, but they're not really regarded right now as that, like, during the season. Like, I feel like when you get Kansas in that situation, it's, like, worrisome. But, yeah, I mean, a really nice performance. There's six to go, 49-36. Under looks absolutely mint uh, this game. By the way, Ian, uh, we do have a final down in Houston. Um, Alcorn State has put up over 90 points. In this game now, Ian, while that's why that's important, okay? You look at against Division One opponents this season. Alcorn State is averaging 60 points a game. Uh, all their scoring has been through NAIA opponents, 
Texas Southern with one of the worst performances of the season. This is downright embarrassing for Johnny Jones' group. To give up 90-plus to that group is shocking. Uh, keep in mind, as I said, they are the worst team, Alcorn State, in the country, according to Ken Pomeroy, in two-point offense. There's nobody worse. Even Mississippi Valley State, Central Connecticut State, Marist, Delaware State, Howard, uh, all those teams. They're all better than Alcorn State. Uh, and this night, the Braves put up a 90 spot in Houston. Embarrassing. Uh, a couple of other scores. Uh, Prairie View's up 61-48 with about two minutes to go. They're going to beat Southern. Interesting uh, hijinks there in that one, though. Prairie View is laying 10, so that spread is in uh, is in it has an issue right now. Um, and then one other game we had tonight. Um, North Carolina A&T, they continue to play very well in the MEAC. They're a team to keep your eye on. Jay Joyner is a really good team. Cameron Langley is very good. They win 97-90 and cover the number against Florida A&M. By the way, in F, uh, FAMU, Florida A&M, I think they have the most remarkable win this season. The fact that they went into Iowa State and won is fascinating. I mean, a horrific team. Uh, the fact that they beat Iowa State is fascinating. But, Ian, i got to ask you something. Um who are you making money with this year? Who's hurting you? You have any teams that stick out? Yeah, first of all, I got to say about the Texas Southern loss. I mean, this is what Johnny Jones does. You know, he underachieves with teams that should be better than they show on the basketball court. Just look at the LSU tenure. I mean, he had Ben Simmons there at the time, too, when he was coaching that team, and uh, they didn't play up to their uh, capabilities at times. And it took Will Wade coming to LSU to really get that program set uh, moving forward finally. Uh, and then, of course, now he goes to Texas Southern, and uh, you see what's happened to them tonight. That you're that you you can't sugarcoat that. You're absolutely 100 percent right. That is a brutal I loss. Mean, I mean, Alcorn State's in the Southern... 340s and 350s in college basketball in so many metrics, so many key categories. You mentioned it, offense uh, among, among them, and to lose like that, double digits at home as an 11 point favorite against Alcorn State, it's a terrible, terrible black eye type of result. And the thing with Texas Southern, I mean, I think they kind of had hoped that Mike Davis would just stay there forever. And it's like, well, he ain't going to do that. I mean, eventually he's going to leave and he goes to – which is kind of – I mean, it's kind of, I guess, a, a better move. I mean, you go to Detroit Mercy, which is obviously a little bit more of a lateral move. And, you know, you're going to get better players. And, you know, he's able to coach his son. So, yeah, I mean, Texas Southern, I mean, to just think that – they're going to, you know, they've been a team that's made the tournament the last couple of years. You know, down there in that conference, I mean, Grambling State's a good team. Uh, they have a guy named Ivy Smith. He's a terrific player. Um, yeah, that's embarrassing. It's one of the worst performances of the year, in my opinion. Um, Ian, um, one other thing on Oklahoma State as well. You look at on Saturday, they got absolutely boat raced by Texas Tech. They lost uh, by 35. They only scored 50 points. Um, this is going to be two games in a row where they're, they're not going to eclipse more than 50 points. Um, this is a concerning uh, level for Mike Boynton and crew. Uh, Oklahoma State, I mean, they're an experienced team. You know, Lindy Waters, Cameron McGriff, uh, Lika, Lika Kelly, uh, Laurent. I mean, this is a good a good team on the surface, but they're really struggling. But back to my question, um, you know, do you have a team that you, that's kind of stuck out in a positive way, and do you have a team in a kind of a negative way that, that you've kind of had a bugaboo with uh, playing? Yeah, bugaboo lately has been Louisville, believe it or not, of all teams. Yeah. Uh, two week, two games in a row. You know, I took them against Kentucky just because I thought they were better than Kentucky flat out. Even though that game was in uh, uh, Kentucky that day, and uh, they were just absolutely 
hideous from the free throw line in particular that day. I can't believe how bad they were at the free throw line. Uh, you know, offensively, they were missing wide open looks. They were getting good looks in that game at times against Kentucky. Couldn't make them. So I said, you know what? Hey, Kentucky sometimes, they got the talent to rise up and play a good game at home, and they did. That was definitely one of Kentucky's better games. Kentucky's had some ups and downs. Remember, they lost to Utah, lost to a couple of teams this year already, uh, John Calipari and crew. But you know they're always capable and talented at home to pull off a win like that. So I said, okay, Louisville will be fine. They'll probably bounce back. Good wake-up call. You know, they showed after they lost to Texas Tech earlier this year, they could bounce back. So I thought, here we go, Florida State at home on Saturday. Here's your bounce-back opportunity. And I wasn't sold on Florida State. Remember, Leonard Hamilton's team went to Indiana and got absolutely hammered you know, on the road. And I'm thinking, here's your ideal spot and opponent to get ba- uh, bounce back and get well again. And Louisville was dreadful, you know, uh, flat out outplayed uh, throughout that entire game for the full 40 minutes at home against Florida State uh, on Saturday. It was a brutal game. It was not another, again, Jordan Wara struggled again. You know, McMahon was disappointing as well from the field. Uh, it, it, turnovers were an issue. Defense, where's Chris Mack's defense gone the, uh, in that game? I don't know, but Florida State was getting way too many quality looks at the basket and making them. So Louisville's that team that's kind of hurt me a little bit from a bankroll perspective. In terms of a team that has been really good to me, and I caught on to this team right away because you know I've been a big fan of what he did at Buffalo, taking over from Bobby Hurley, and, and now we're seeing what he's doing at Alabama in his first year. It's Nate Oates. You know, and that Alabama team, they have been a cash cow. They have been my number one team, Jeff, and it's not even close from not only a side perspective, but from a totals perspective. For me, every game or the majority of Alabama games this year, it's been Alabama and over, Alabama and over, Alabama and over, one game after another, one bet after another for me. And more often than not, both of them have come in. Alabama ATS, Alabama games over the total, happened again against Florida. Uh, on Saturday, I know they had a big lead in that game and they lost in overtime. Really disheartening loss for the Crimson Tide, but they took Florida to overtime. They lost by six, but got inside the number, getting seven and a half. The game flew over the total, and it flew over the total even before it got to overtime. Uh, this is a team that you know they've cranked up the pace. They're playing the way Nate Oates you know wants them to, the way he played at Buffalo. He got his teams to play at Buffalo. They're an exciting team. He's gotten them to really shows some much better offensive fluidity on the basketball court. They're sharing the ball. They're getting better looks. They're just doing all the things offensively Alabama rarely did under Avery Johnson. You know, it's a completely different philosophy, and it, and it seems like his team's responding to it. You know, defensively, they've still got a ways to go, uh, as they showed Florida, but they're an exciting team. They really play hard night in and night out, and, and they are going to be a team that I think is still going to be a little bit undervalued in the betting markets. Look, they're 10-3 and three against the spread this year. They're a top 10 ATS team in the country, or at least fringe top 10 ATS team in the country the last I checked, Alabama. And, and I know the SEC is tough. It's become much more of a meat grinder now, you know, with Kentucky and Tennessee, an improved Georgia team. You know, uh, Eric Musselman, another good coach added to the conference with Arkansas. There's now a lot of good teams in the SEC, so it won't be an easy schedule for Alabama to navigate, but they're going to be a hard out. They're going to be a tough out. They're going to speed up teams, get them to play their style, and Florida really had trouble with it, especially early in that game on Saturday. Yeah, Alabama and betting their games over the total. Uh, that's been a huge part of why I'm probably plus units right now in the college basketball season. It's been just doing that game in and game out and getting a, a read for this team being, I think, better earlier than maybe people thought. And it's because you got a quality coach in there. 
Yeah, Alabama nine and four against the spread this year uh, uh, to the over, uh, or not against the spread, but to the over. You know, they put that light year pace. You know, fourth in the country in tempo, possession length. I mean, fifteen seconds of possession is very fast. Uh, very much good in transition. They love the run. Got a lot of good guard play. Uh, you be- definitely want to circle that game on January 22nd against Vandy. That's going to be a fun game. That's going to be in the 80s on both sides. As far as Louisville, you made a good point on them. You know, I made a comment that I thought they were the second-best team in the country coming into the season. And, you know, I think they'll be fine long-term. But, you know, you look at so far. I mean, outside of Michigan, what what has this team really done? I mean, y- y- there's really no quality win. I mean – I mean, I, I think West Kentucky's a pretty good win. I know that, you know, that was with Charles Basie. Uh, West Kentucky's actually a pretty good team. They probably will win Conference USA, um, you know, even without Basie. So, you know, that's a damn good win. Um, but outside of that, I mean, in Michigan, there is not much here. And you look at the three step-up games, as you said, you know, you lose to Kentucky, you lose to Texas Tech, uh, and then you lose over the weekend to Florida State. And you mentioned it, last two games, you're giving up you about eight, you know, about seventy-nine points a game. It's not good enough. You look at it against Florida State; they made forty-eight percent from three. Kentucky, who is not a good three-point shooting team, uh, they made um, they made seven of fifteen from three, which is a very good percentage. You basically allowed like forty high forties from three. That's not good enough uh, in in basketball games. And you better believe, I'm sure that. You know, in, in you know these you know this dare too off. I'm sure they've worked on it, but you know, luckily coming in, I mean, you got a you got a Miami team that you're going to have to prepare for again because this is a damn good three point shooting team as well. Uh, they got to figure it out. And they got to figure it out quick. Doesn't seem like they figured out who the point guard is down there. Is it you know is it um, Fresh Kimball? Is it Darius Perry? Who's the guy? Uh, yeah, they've been disappointing for sure. Uh, I don't think we worry too much just yet, but um, they got to figure some things out. Um, Ian, um, before we kind of finish up with some hockey, um, you know, you, you mentioned you like the MAC conference. Um, do you have like a favorite situation to bet on or like a favorite conference that you like? Um, what's something that's worked for you over the years? Well, actually, you know what, it's a, uh, since you mentioned situation and we'll go to the Metro Atlantic, the Metro Atlantic is famous. It's the, like this year in and year out for these teams that play these Friday, Sunday weekend you know two games in three days the conference is right. famous for it you get your friday night action action because there's two ways you gotta stress it a little bit more friday night action and then you've got your sunday afternoon games for a lot of these teams and a lot for most of the time the team that plays on the road friday they're playing on the road sunday and, and it's especially if the team that played friday on the road and they're playing sunday again on the road they got to make those little bus trips because that's pretty much how you're getting around in that conference and you're playing a, a game that's down to the wire and a game that goes to overtime on the Friday, and you got to come back, and those Sunday games are like 1 p.m., 2 p.m., Sunday afternoon, so there's barely, what, 36-hour turnaround. Man, those are some good bet-against situations, especially for the team that won that overtime game on, on the Friday. You know, they're flat, they're feeling good, and just absolutely exhilarating feeling winning an overtime game Friday, and they got to go on the road, travel again via bus, turn around, play Sunday afternoon, again, another road game, those are usually really good situations to look for, circle, take advantage of. And that's just one of many. And that conference does have some weird, quirky 
scheduling dynamics that you just don't see in the power conferences, that you don't see in the ACC, the Big 12, the Big 10, uh, and, the other, and the SEC and the bigger conferences. So stuff like that you can really take advantage of uh, in the Metro Atlantic. I want to throw one team out there because I've seen them now a couple of times, got to see them earlier this week. They were playing a Florida Gulf Coast. Obviously, you know the A-Sun very well. If this Liberty team with Richie McKay, if they get somehow picked off in the Atlantic Sun, I'd be absolutely shocked, absolutely shocked, because you look at Liberty, you couldn't tell the difference between that team defensively and the way Virginia plays, and that's not surprising because, you know, Richie McKay's a Tony Bennett disciple. You know, he's worked with them before uh, in the past. You know they're going to play that same style of basketball. Their defense is smothering. It's stifling. You know, they got the Scotty James kid back from the Liberty team that was in the NCAA tournament last year. They play absolutely tremendous defense. In fact, you look at defensive metrics in, in terms of uh, uh, points per game, field goal percentage allowed. I think Virginia and Liberty are right near or at the top, both of those teams uh, in the country right now. And it's not at all a surprise because McKay comes from that Tony Bennett school, worked alongside him. That's a very good Liberty basketball team. People know them now after they were in the tournament last year. I think they're back in the tournament this year again because I don't see anyone beating them in the Atlantic Sun. And if they get in there, that is a dangerous, dangerous, dangerous mid-major group that could make noise in March. Yeah, I mean, you can make the case. I would be surprised if they lose again this year. I, I, I don't think they do. I mean, this is a this is a bad conference. I mean, Lipscomb is nowhere what they were last year. NJIT's down. I mean, you got very little in this conference. Um, you remember last year? I mean, this is a team that won the game in the tournament. They beat Mississippi State, uh, eighty to seventy six. Wouldn't be surprised if they win another game or two here as well. Yeah, I mean, McKay's got a hell of a team down there. Yeah, I, I talk a lot about mi- minutes continuity. You know, how many players do you bring back that have continuitized minutes from the year before? And, you know, they're one of the more experienced teams as far as, you know, playing with continuity in the country, 30th in that, that metric. So, you know, they know each other, all those guys. They played e- with each other for a long time. Uh, and you've hit it on the head. I mean, I'll make this clear. If they lose another game this year, Ian, I'll give you a hundred bucks. I don't see it. As far as the MAAC, um, I don't know if there's a conference I hate more than this conference. Uh, I've told this story before, Ian. When I was younger, uh, when I was like, I don't know, 17 or 18, uh, Ryan and I, we had a bookie that um, he would take straight money line wagers. So, like, let's say um, – I'll ask you this. Very simple question. If you have a team that's minus 2,000 – uh, every bookie's going to say to you, "Hey, uh, I need the two thousand for you to win a hundred, right?" So, Ian, we had a guy that he wouldn't make you do that. You could just say, like, like let's say Arizona's playing, um, I don't know, Northern Arizona, and they were like minus three thousand. We could say, like, okay, we want five hundred on Arizona, and we could just get the credit bet on Arizona. Now, obviously, if it lost, we would owe six grand, but, like, it never lost. So this is when I really learned that I didn't want to be on the negative side of betting, like, when I was younger. I remember it was uh, Friday night, just like you said, and it was back when Iona was really good. They had a guy named uh, Scott Machado. I don't know if you remember that guy. Uh, He was at Iona for years. I know he plays in the, I believe, the NBL now, uh, down in uh, Australia, but... I remember they were big favorites to, uh, I want to say Manhattan. And 
Yeah, they were like 10-point favorites, and we bet them on the money line to win, and they ended up losing. And I always remember the MAC, and I, I never felt my same way about the MAC again. But I don't know. I never get a good read on that conference. Keep in mind the Ryder a team to look out for. Kevin Baggett has a really good team. But I'll tell you, and a team to bet against is that Golden uh, or that uh, Red Fox team up at Maris. John Dunn's team is really bad. Uh, oh, yeah. But yeah. Uh, but uh, when you get blown out by St. Peter's, yeah. that tells you all you need to know pretty much yeah. right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Dean. That being we, uh, said, St. Peter's, yeah. St. Peter's, before I rip them too much, they're going to be one of those under – you don't want to lay points with them often, but take them as an underdog. They do play good defense. They play a very slow sure. pace. They did, And they beat Iona Friday night uh, in this conference. And I took St. Peter's well, plus the points in that game. And they always give Tim Kloos's team fits. I can't explain it. Iona plays like dog shit, really. Every time they play St. Peter's, they, the, the, the pace frustrates them. They're, they don't shoot well. They get into them defensively, St. Peter's, the Peacocks. They, get, you know, they, they contest shots. It throws off that Iona team. Iona rarely plays well against St. Peter's, and it played out that way last Friday night once again. Ian, I'm going to give you a little prediction. You ready for this one? Yep. St. Peter's is going to win that conference this year. Watch. Listen, let me tell you why. They play I frustrating, of- aggravating basketball. And that, that and if you play it as a team well, it could take you a long way. That, that's not crazy to, to suggest that could happen, honestly. Yeah, I know a good amount about this team. I, I, I studied them in the offseason, actually. And they have a coach, Shaheen Holloway, who uh, played at, at uh, Seton Hall many years ago. He actually was suspended for, I think, the first three games. And they lost those games. But, I mean, Ian, you look, you lose by 10 to St. John's. You lose by 10 to UConn. And you lose by three to Hampton University, who's actually a, a pretty damn good team. I mean, Buck Joyner's a great coach. Um, then they have, you know, they have the two wins so far in the conference. Ian, they love the rebound. They're a great rebounding team. They're one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the country. They don't really play a great brand of basketball. They're a dirty-looking team. I mean, they don't – they're not good in the half court. They're a great three-point shooting team. They get to the foul line, and they make their opportunities. And they have a kid – they actually have two kids, Ian – uh, the Drame brothers, they're from the Senegal. I actually, uh, or not the Senegal, they're from Mali, I think, one of those African countries. I actually studied these kids. Um, they played in one of the the, um, the FIBA games. They, they were, it was like the Africa Cup. Let me tell you something, man. These kids are lethal defenders. Like, sh- uh, unbelievable to watch. Like, really fascinating. Um, they've gotten some really good play to those guys. Uh, Casey and Defo has been real good for them. Don't be surprised if they win that conference. They have, and you know what? One other thing they have, Ian, Sheen Holloway has the best bench in the country. They're number one in bench minutes. 49% of their minutes are from their bench. That's a good thing to have in those long tournaments. A lot of bodies. And no one plays particularly good brands of offense in this conference. None of them are good three-point shooting teams. Uh, And that's something that, um, you know, they don't do a great job at St. Peter's, but um, I'm telling you, they are an interesting group to keep your eye on. I know you like that conference, but Ian, um, let's um, take one more break. And then I want to ask you some things about NHL. We we only have a couple minutes and so we'll only take, you know, five to seven minutes on that, but let's take one more break. Let's get to this ad. Uh, we'll be right back.
Are you looking for fresh opinions on sports, sex, culture, food, and more? Well, it's time for you to go check out our friends at PubSearchRadio.com. From podcasts to blogs to live content and radio, live in the heart of San Antonio, PubSearch Radio provides plenty. They have terrific soccer, UFC, and niche topics, too. Leave it to me, leave it to my opinion, the big men on campus, I co-sign PubSportsRadio.com. And you can also check out people like me, Donnie Wrightside, Ski Profit, and more. Check out the newest in opinions in all the blog culture, PubSportsRadio.com. for him in just a second to see who's making money on the ice. Uh, did want to do one quick update, though. Um, in the uh, association, uh, we do have a game at halftime, 52-40. Sacramento leads Golden State. Uh, second half line right now at 2.5 for Sacramento, 104 on a total. I want to take a look at this game here. Uh, I want to get involved possibly in this game. Sacramento has been really good. Um, really not even shooting a three real well. They've been out-rebounded. Uh, might be a, a decent spot, but I'll hold off. Uh want to update also on that game out in uh, Gallagher-Iba. Uh, an easy winner for, for West Virginia. 55-41. What an elite defensive performance tonight from Huggy Bear's crew. Ian, let's go to the phone lines. we got someone holding here. Uh, then we'll get some hockey uh, points here. Uh, go ahead, caller. You're up. Yes, hello, gentlemen. How are you guys tonight? Good. What's up? Doing good. Doing good. Okay, right on. Just wanted to say what's up. This is Paco calling in from California. Wanted to say what's up. Definitely enjoying the show tonight, guys. Um, Thank you. Kind of had a question for you. I had a question for you kind of in regards just to general sports betting, um, kind of the mentality, but it re- it's in regards to on downswings, which is obviously inevitable for anybody. It seems the worst as a sports better, poker player, whatever the arena, to have to downscale your unit size um, or to go into a smaller poker game or whatever it may be. Um, how, how do you guys deal with that? And is it something to where that you're utilizing that to where if, if you're on a little bit of a down streak, you'll downscale your unit? Or are you looking to just kind of reload the bankroll from other means, such as income, to be comfortable? Or, um, you know, I feel like when things are going well, um, it's a lot easier to kind of make your moves with house money than it is to be in the right mindset when your back's against the wall a little bit. Yeah, you know, I'll actually take this one right off. I mean, I, I'm I'm actually I'm off a tough week right now, and you know, I think for me, you know, and for Ian as well. I mean, we kind of have a different look because you know, selling picks is one of the more stressful things you'll ever have to do. I mean, you know, none of sure. none of the people that listen, you know, it, it's something that you know, I think there's only a certain group of people that should do it, and I think you know, 
when someone like me, like I really care about the bottom line at the end of the day. I don't care about losing my own money, but like when people would trust me to put my, their money in, in good hands, you know, I, I take it hard. But I think as far as your question about having tough, tough streaks, I mean, I, I'll be honest, I don't ever change the amount I bet. I mean, I, I just kind of keep firing, but you know, I've been doing it pretty long, so it, it, it's okay. But yeah, I, I don't know. I think you just have to keep firing away and trusting the info you're, you're putting out. I also don't make a lot of wagers, so I think for me, like, even if, you know, if I have a bad week like I, let's say, did last week, I mean, the most I'm going to lose are, you know, four or five units because I'm not, I'm not putting out. I don't bet. Ian bets a lot more games than me, so I think there's, for him, a lot more volatility. Sure. But, you know, I don't um, – I, I don't ever worry. I used to worry about it, you know, and I used to – to really care, but you know, it takes some, it takes a toll on you. I mean, obviously it's, it sucks, but you know, you, you got to just keep trusting what you're doing. You got to keep pot, uh, plowing through because you know, as corny as this sounds, man, like it'll rain for a week and then, you know, eventually it's going to get sunny again. You know, it's not going to stay rainy forever. And you know, that's just kind of how I look right. at it. I, I just, I used to care, but no, you just got to keep plugging away because eventually it'll, it'll work and, and, and you got to trust what you do. Yeah, right I mean, on. for me, when I well, – yeah, Paco, it's a great question. Good to talk to you. Hope you're doing well. Uh, and uh, well. the one thing I uh, – yeah, thank you. Uh, the one thing that I do is – and it's important to stress this, and I always say this about my own betting, is that I don't change my unit structure ever. Even if I think this is one of the best yeah. plays I've ever seen in my lifetime, it's not being more than a, a one or a two-unit play at the absolute most. And even my two-unit plays are very, very rare. Most of the time, I'm looking at one-unit plays and half-unit plays across the board in all sports, and I don't change that. Now, if there's a time, and there's inevitably going to be a time, and I've had many times where there is a bad run, you know, where it's two, three, four, five days, hell, even a week straight where you've been losing every single day during that time, when it gets to the point where it's been, uh, you know, a good three, four days in a row where things have just been really, really bad, you've been losing, you know, three, four, five units a day, I will usually, you know, scale back the number of bets, not do one unit, scale down to half unit, and if things continue down that path, I will actually go as far as taking one or two days off and just say, you know what, we need a mental reset, we got to recharge the batteries, we need to, t- we got to do other things, you know, go for a walk go out, you know, watch a movie, you know, visit family, visit friends, visit relatives, you know, go to a sporting event without maybe betting it, of course, I should point that out, but do something other, watch something on Netflix, you know, just do something to get your mind clear, get it focused on something outside of your day-to-day sports betting endeavors, and it's amazing how just doing that for a day or two, taking that one or two days off from betting when you're in your absolute biggest rut, you could possibly be in how it'll just cleanse your mind and you'll be ready to come back and most of the time when I've done that when I've been struggling it's helped uh, and I've been able to put things back together and, and get going and get in that winning positive flow once again after the hiatus that I take because I'm trying to put an end to an, uh, an extended losing streak so those are just some of the situations that I personally uh, how, how I personally handle going through uh, a, a tough time or a downturn or a losing streak. Everybody uh, goes through it differently. Everybody reacts to it differently. But I think the way I do it, I'm comfortable doing it that way when I'm having struggles and having a tough time, and it's worked for me. And it's it's been a it's a it's really helped me from putting myself in an insurmountable hole. And at the end of the day, you've got to make sure you put yourself in those spots when you're struggling, that you don't put yourself further in the ditch. And to a point where you can't get out of it anymore. Yeah, I sure. real quick. Sure. 
I, I will build on what he said as well. Like I, the whole break thing, like I've done that before. Like I, like today, I didn't have any plays. It's not that I really needed to take a break. I just, you know, I would welcome it, and I didn't like much anyway. So it's, you know, I think sometimes you just, or and like he said, you know, you got to go out and do stuff that maybe you don't normally do. You know, go out and exercise, or go out and you know, see your mom or dad, or, or just something to like kind of, kind of change things. Like it's random, like things that I'll right. do, like just to figure things out. But yeah, it'll be cool, man. Everybody goes through it. It's it's part of how you know, and everything you do in life, you're gonna have you're gonna have you know, weeks where you just don't feel yourself, or you know maybe you have a dog and he won't stop peeing on the carpet. You know, eventually he's gonna learn to not pee on the carpet and everything will be fine. You know, life's you know what I do, Paco as well, and and I mean this. I, I've said this many times. I think about people that have it way worse than me. Like I have a, I have a, he's a dear friend and he's actually, it's just coming up his five year. He's been in prison for five years and he's still got four more to go. And I think all the time about people like him or, you know, people that are homeless or it's stupid to say, but I mean, when you lose money at the end of the day, you just lose the money. There's people that have it a whole lot worse and there's things that matter a whole lot more. So, um, you know, Gabe Morenci actually, I think, told me that years ago. That's what he told me, and you know, it's true. I mean, you got to think about people that don't have it as easy as as you or I, and uh, really, just it's that easy. But good question, man. Sure, no, I, that's a good point for sure. I've had that thought many a times on down swings or whatever. Is like, hey, man, at least you're in here swinging. You know what I mean? At least you have yep. money for happy hour beers or this or that. I don't know. It's it, you bring up a good point too, and. I did catch uh, your statement last week. I forget the guest you had. He was very sharp, um, calling the Aztecs um, running the table here, going into that tough spot with Utah State. I know that you like them there, and I thought they showed a lot of poise. Uh, I mean, despite some injuries and, you know, the rest of the the way out. I know funny things can happen in conference play. I wouldn't be surprised to see a hiccup or two here. But, yeah, the VA House Arena is a lot of fun right now in town, so good to see yeah i mean it's it's good to see because i've said before i mean i have a pretty nice connection there i went to vias many times i was there during the steve fisher era and you know what they were able to build out there i know you know recently it's kind of come under a little bit of a lull period but you know i've said before i think this is the best team they've ever had there and that's a team you know you're, you're going up against a team that had you know Kawhi leonard on it but um yeah it's a fun time i'm glad to see things because i know you know out there, you know, obviously the pro sports, you know, the one team leaves and you don't necessarily have anything to really root for, but I'm not feeling bad. I mean, you live in San Diego, but at the end of the day, um, it's cool to see. I'm glad to see that things are going well. And, and I do have a soft spot for them as well. Pa- Paco, good stuff, man. I'm, I'm coming up against the end of the show, but uh, call again. All right, bro. Thanks for taking my call. All right. Bye now. Take care, Paco. All the best. Yeah. Cheers, man. Um, but yeah, uh, Ian, let's uh, let's wrap the show up. I wanted to get into hockey, and we can get into that next week. It's not a not a pressing thing, but uh, before we go, I, I want to give you an opportunity, and 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 I want to tell everybody. I mean, coming up here, this is what the show is going to be. I mean, I'm going to have you can call in at any time, but my my goal is really to bring on um, you know, really astute guys that know what they're talking about that are going to give you really good info, not just going to try to push a service or, or, or talk stupid and give you dumb facts that no one cares about. So I got to have Ian to, uh, Mondays, uh, Tuesdays, I'm going to have, um, um, who do I have Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? I, I'm kind of like, 
No, I'm kind of um. I, I, there's, I know. There's it's people late that have night. I get days. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's people that have like different days. So like Wednesday night, I have um, Three Man Weave coming on. If anyone knows uh, some of their work, Three Man Weave does a great job. Uh, they're one of the the great uh, great uh, college basketball people in the business. Um, I got David Demand coming on, a great college basketball handicapper. Uh, I've talked to Mike Randall, who does the Screen the Screener podcast. I'm trying to get um, you know obviously Donnie Wright's going to be on. We get plenty of people to come on, but. Uh, this is really what it is. Ian, you'll be here every Monday. Tell everybody where they can find you, what you have going on, and uh, and, and uh, we'll wrap it up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's, uh, I'll be on every Monday with you. Looking forward to it. This was a lot of fun tonight. Um, yeah, you can find me. Obviously, service-wise, you know where to find me. Twitter, Apple Bobano, Bobano350 at gmail.com. I don't want to get too much into that. People know where to find me uh, if they want service. But I do want to mention one thing, my show. I'm starting every uh, day, uh, YouTube channel, my own YouTube channel, uh, Ian Cameron YouTube channel. It's the Ian Cameron Sports Report. We had our premiere episode uh, today. It's just going to be, you know, sports betting news information. We recap the night before. We talk about latest line moves across all sports. I'll break down, you know, a few marquee games in the NHL and college basketball. It will mostly be those two sports moving forward. I don't really handicap NBA until the playoffs, so it'll be NHL and college basketball heavy for the next two months on that show, but looking forward to it. I give a best bet at the end of every show. We had West Virginia uh, as the first best bet uh, of the uh, Ian Cameron sports report today. Uh, and they got it done. So, you know, good information, you know, I'll throw out some picks, some recommendations. Uh, it's just going to be really good content, good information for anybody uh, looking to just, you know, gain some more knowledge is on sports betting and day to day. And of course, NHL and college basketball will be the focus of that show uh, moving forward. So you can find that on my uh, YouTube channel. Uh, I certainly had a lot of fun doing the first show today and looking forward to doing uh, many more of those uh, as the uh, days and weeks to come. So you can find me on there. You can also check me out on the Ice Guys show, patreon.com slash Ice Guys. We do the Ice Guys hockey show seven days a week. Me, Andrew McGinnis, Alex B. Smith, uh, and Jimmy Murphy. Uh, we have a lot of fun. They're great people. We get, all get along. We have a, a lot of fun. Uh, we're planning on doing an Ice Guys road trip, I think, later on this year. We're looking forward to that uh, just uh, around the playoffs. So uh, lots of fun with that. You can check that out as well. Uh, and, that, and, that's pr- and that's pretty much it, Jeff. Uh, you, know, you know where to find me. I'm still doing some SBR video stuff. So you can uh, find Ian, me I'm on there as well. I'm going to get cut off so. here. I don't want to. I don't want to cut you off here. I'm, I got. Oh, I, just, I want to say one last thing. All right, one last thing. Uh, maybe yeah, Texas gonna Southern's going to give Detroit a call, Mike Davis, to get him back after tonight. <laughs> yeah, they they might. Also, go give the call. Uh, our, uh, I'll show you wildfires. Terrible stuff going on there. We got to go. I'll be back tomorrow, Tuesday evening. Have a great night. Bye bye.